Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Booz Allen. I'm Simone DeRochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here with Brianna Wu, Democratic Candidate... Democratic? What? <laughs> Democratic? Democratic. I like that. <laughs> candidate for Congress in the state of Massachusetts, and Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. Welcome. Welcome She's to the Democratic, Senior Cloud Accratolate. I really like the Democratic Party, though. That's that's fun. That's a fun one. That is, um, that is good. <laughs> I'm kind of having trouble hearing you guys. So I'm if I talk over you, I'm so sorry. I'm using my uh, little, like, earbuds. But anyway, we have a very exciting phone. Oh, my God, you guys. Show for you this one. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking about Jeff Bezos' phone and Apple security. Uh, iCloud is back in the news as well as some Sonos software updates or lack thereof. <laughs> Finishing it out with a a section that will not have show notes because I don't need them and it is entitled The Witcher is Good Actually and it will just be me speaking from the heart <laughs> about a matter that we all know is true, which is that Netflix is The Witcher is Good Actually. All right. So before we start the show, I just want to acknowledge uh, Facebook is good for almost nothing, but it does let you know things that you would forget about. Uh, and it was, uh, this is the week we've been doing Rocket officially for five years now. So I I can't believe it. Five years of this podcast with you all. That is freaking amazing. That is absolutely wild to think about. I think much like how when you meet a child and you get frozen <laughs> at the age where you meet them, right. this show, I think for me, stopped at three years. It was like, yeah, I've been doing this <laughs> podcast for three years. And now it's like, no, I've been living in New York for almost four years and we've right. been doing the podcast before I moved there. So, right. so what is the truth? Right. No, I mean, uh, to me, I'm just I, I love you both so much. I love this oh. show. I love our listeners. And I think from like the moment like we we had chemistry our first episode, but when Left Shark happened, which was like yes. Super Bowl that year, to me, oh. that was like, like when it all it was like, yeah, this is this is going to be a thing. Y'all, I was at I was uh, at a trip with friends last weekend and we were watching the Katy Perry Super Bowl performance. <laughs> and this is fate now i didn't even realize it was coming up on our five-year anniversary but i saw left shark and i fondly was like yes that was it that was a big deal on rocket i think it was one of the first times we really talked about a a frothier but still hard-hitting and relevant topic in our lives um and it was left shark and guess what left shark is still perfect it, it, I, I never got perfect. my Left Shark costume. That Indiegogo ended up being a scam, which is a whole thing for us to talk about. <gasps> oh, but no. anyway, let's get to some tech news. Wow. So this, okay, this first one's going to be a big one. Um, and so everyone is going to help me kind of get through this. So in the news this week, uh, there is a Reuters story about Apple walking back some plans it initially had a couple years ago to fully encrypt iPhone backups in iCloud. Um, the FBI reportedly complained that this would harm investigations that they were doing, um, much like the one into the San Bernardino shooter. This was kind of around that that time um, that Apple and the FBI publicly really began to clash in the news. 
the Reuters story has a couple, uh, seven sources, and some of them citing different reasons for why this move happened. Uh, some people reportedly say that Apple's legal team killed the idea of fully encrypting iCloud backups. Other people, other sources were saying, actually, this would just be a huge problem if customers just completely got locked out of their phone backups and could not access it at all. Um, but this story has been in the news just because of continued public clashes between, I guess, the FBI and government's demands for information to either prosecute cases or to investigate um, crimes that have happened and the consumer's need for privacy, um, which is obviously also huge. On the heels of that, sort of semi-tangential, we're tying them both together. Reports came out this week that in 2018, Jeff Bezos's phone was actually hacked and a video file that was sent to him from the Saudi Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince's WhatsApp account. Oh, what a sentence. <laughs> um, after this file was sent to Jeff Bezos's iPhone, his phone began uploading just tremendous amounts more data than its, its standard usage. Um, and this was, of course, the year that uh, the National Enquirer broke the story about Jeff Bezos and hit the mistress that he had. Um, and it was also the year that Jamal Khashoggi was assassinated by <laughs> the Saudi Arabian government. Sorry, I'm, I'm covering my face with my hands because there's so many details happening here. So I, th- I think this story kind of ties ties together the issue of Apple iCloud uh, encryption with the kinds of details that could be made available were someone's phone to be accessed by a government Um or even by a tabloid newspaper. Yeah. Do you guys think that I have done any kind of justice to summing up this massive topic? That was amazing. That was amazing. The only thing that I will say just to protect us, because Bezos, uh, we don't know if she was his mistress or like what the parameters of that were, but the woman he's in a relationship with and was in a relationship with then and, and is now um, who was, uh, he was not married to her um, when uh, when that information was revealed. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. So, so I I just want to bottom line it for for people here. Um, so I dropped my iPhone this week. Uh, I took it to the Apple Store, and this was one of these times that I I didn't plug into iTunes to physically back it up myself. And uh, I I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Uh, my iCloud backup is is okay. Um, I have. And I agree, I, I will admit this was a mistake, but I have blindly trusted Apple in the iCloud backups. I said to myself, well, this was a long time ago. I'm sure I'm sure they've stood up. I'm sure those um, are, are encrypted in a way that, where the federal government could not subpoena that if they wanted to. Um, that's actually not true. And I think the bottom line for anyone listening to Rocket uh, right now is uh, even if you're not a criminal, even if you're, you, you have no reason to fear law enforcement, you should know that if the government wants access to your phone and you back up via iCloud, uh, they have the capacity to get that. Uh, there are also reports that came out uh, talking about how um, Apple removed the feature of encrypting it in a way where law enforcement could not get that after the FBI uh, complained. 
So this is a this is a, a pretty serious situation, in my opinion. Did you have something, Christina? Yeah. So um, uh, iCloud backups have never been end to end encrypted. Um, they they are encrypted insofar as in transit, but the key is actually stored in the backup, and that's right. done. And I've talked to Apple um, in an on background meeting. This was now you know uh, three and a half years ago um, when the Apple FBI thing happened last time. I, I was invited along with a number of other people, including the the Reuters journalist Joseph Men, who's a tremendous tremendous reporter. Um, there were you know probably about about seven of us at this meeting, and they went through the whole breakdown about how their encryption works on the device and in other places. And I had a conversation um, at lunch uh, during that briefing with uh, one of the security people from Apple and was and I asked directly about the fact, will you be doing inter end encrypted iCloud backups? Because as it's, as it's existed, you know, if you choose to encrypt them in iTunes, they can be encrypted. But um, even though the, the data transferred is secure, if um, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement or government or someone else gets uh, a warrant and Apple uh, complies, which they do in 90% of cases, the information that's in your iCloud account can be turned over to someone else. And I asked, I said, okay, well, are you going to be, you know, doing end-to-end, you know, encryption on the on the iCloud backups? And I was told, you know, we're looking at this. We have, I wasn't told anything definitively. Um, there seemed to be kind of a lot of things in consideration. And I do think that one of the main considerations is the fact that if you were to lose your, if you were to forget your password or, or lose, you know, a second factor, a way to authenticate or not have access to a key, uh, your information would be completely inaccessible. And already there are a number of people who contact Apple all the time and say, you know, we have someone who who died or someone who, you know, there's another situation we want to recover things and we can't. And in most of those cases, Apple will not, even though they have the ability to, they will not relinquish the the information and they will not, you know, um, uh, you know, give those backups or give that access back. So I can totally understand from a user standpoint why that would be, um, you know, like potentially bad. Where I become concerned is the Reuters reporting saying that either Apple legal or, you know, direct kind of maybe pressure or, you know, asking questions, you know, from the FBI is what led to this feature, which I assume would always, you know, be um, optional and wouldn't ever be required to not be developed and not be pushed. That's really concerning to me. Um, and and I think um, I agree with Dieter Bone at The Verge that it doesn't necessarily make Apple's stance on privacy hypocritical, but it does make it much more clear, at least to me, that at least in some capacities, a lot of the advertising and the the public speak about, you know, privacy, there's an asterisk there, right? Like it's, yeah. and, and I think that's mm-hmm. concerning. The one thing I would say too, to people who might be concerned and are saying, okay, well now I don't want to use iCloud backup. First of all, I think that's a really bad idea in a lot of cases, because I think in general, having a cloud backup uh, is is better than not. But I would say you can choose what applications you want to, to back up if you go into your settings. And one of the things I would say, and this is something I've kind of struggled with myself, if, do I want the convenience or do I want, you know, and people not to have potentially access to things, would be the fact that you don't have to store your iMessage accounts in an iCloud backup. That's a relatively new feature, but that's something that you don't have to do. And the, mm-hmm. w- the way that that syncs across devices if you're not storing it in backup is different than the way 
um, uh, it, it is if it's stored on the backup. And and in most cases, what law enforcement wants, I mean, sometimes, may, yeah, maybe they might want emails, they might want, you know, your notes or whatever, but really what they want are your iMessages. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's, and, and, and I think for most people and, and where I get concerned is not so much even in government, like, okay, there's a crime committed, but if you take this to its logical conclusion, you know, you could have people who, if you're in custody battles or if you're in divorce proceedings, or if you have other kind of civil actions, it's disturbing to me to think that this could be something that a court could say has to be relinquished and that, Apple would then have to turn over. Uh, whereas if, you know, you have, a, if, if it's not backed up or there's a password, you can always say, well, I, I don't know the password or something, right? I, 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 I am sympathetic to the fact that this is going to be uncomfortable to some people if they lose all of their backups. Uh, I've been there at the Apple store while a genius is trying to tell someone they've lost every photo they've ever taken. It and sounds so derogatory when you say it in that sentence. <laughs> that, does genius. it sound I'm not trying to... Well, I know, I know. It's just no, funny what I, they're called. I'm not trying no, to no, blast no, no, anyone. No, no, no. She means, oh. she means the genius. As, as Apple the Apple genius. Ge- the Apple genius. I know, I know. It just sounds um, funny. I would I would never make fun of anyone for not getting this stuff. Um, but I, I've sat there and I understand that that's got to be very hard. But for me, this is an extremely vulnerable point. And I, yeah. I personally, I, I should have thought about this harder to this point. And I just don't know what the point is of investing in the entire Apple ecosystem if I can't, like, this is the biggest vulnerability point. And if anyone can get that information from Apple, that, that gives me extremely serious pause. Totally. Um, and that kind of brings us to another interesting aspect of this story, which is pointed out in the Reuters piece, which is that in 2018, Google did introduce full right. encryption cloud backups and introduced right. it at a time in the news cycle when encryption was not like on everyone's minds right. um, as it is right now or as it was um, during the investigation in the San Bernardino case. Yeah. And there's not, I mean, we don't know what is what conversations are happening between the FBI and Google behind closed doors. Um, we could if we could hack their cloud accounts, but <laughs> we can't, unfortunately. Well, but uh, obviously, they're not getting the same heat that Apple has. Well, yeah, exactly. Although I think there are a couple of differences there. One is that, uh, you know, Google, I believe that their encrypted backups are only for certain Google um, devices and probably only certain operating systems. So most Android phones are not made by Google. So if you don't have a Pixel, then if there is some sort of cloud backup through, you know, Samsung or someone else, that's not going to be, that's not going to be the same thing. That's not the same thing, yeah. The other thing, and I think this is actually, again, I I think that really, in most cases, this is really going after iMessage, is that uh, Google doesn't have any sort of end-to-end encrypted chat. So they're using SMS, or if you're using like the Google, Google chat apps, those are not end-to-end encrypted. And in fact, they they haven't uh, done that. They've kind of, it, it's been kind of a pressing point for a lot of people being like, why won't you support this? They haven't. So, you know, if if that's the case, you could get those things anyway, backup or not. Um, I, I think that, uh, or, or you could get the logs, you know, if it's, if it's an SMS conversation from phone carriers in a lot of cases. So for me, what this is kind of like, I knew that this was the fact, unlike you, Brie, I fortunately, I guess I, I understood that this was a trade-off. But what I have done is I've turned off attaching my, you know, storing iCloud, iMessages in the cloud, um, just out of, you know, frankly, like, 
I've my the two things that are in my file for whatever is I'm a journalist and and I'm a I'm a engineer and those are things that you know I don't know I don't want to be overly paranoid but especially when I go to other countries and stuff like I don't I don't want um you know some something to happen where that information is turned over what what concerns me though is is and I know they're not really related and I don't want anyone to think that we're trying I'm trying we're, that we as a show or, or me personally are trying to tie what happened with, with Bezos's phone to any of this iCloud stuff but I do think that it's interesting because I kind of initially assumed that Bezos was using um, uh, an Android device. He was not. Mm. He was using an iPhone 10. And A, that's really kind of scary that what looks like some sort of zero day from WhatsApp was able to leak other information and send just, you know, tons and tons of data out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But B, you know, that that to me kind of opens up questions again about, okay, what is the the at rest? What is the on device encryption and security like between apps? And and is is that something that's been that's been looked at? Because that's that's obviously a concern too. If if that can be, uh, if if that's something that's that's an option. And and as much as there's, we, you know, there's an ironic uh, I could twist to this as well, which is that the team that was investigating this file could not decrypt the contents of the downloader because of WhatsApp's encryption. So <laughs> Right, right, right. Yes, exactly. They couldn't look at the malware because that was encrypted, but they were able to then use another way in and, and get access to the whole phone, right? Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I will say this. If governments, and, and this includes MBS, and, and I think it's actually pretty deplorable to, you know, for, for um, a, a, like a, a government leader to send... A, a private person or, or any person, um, you know, malware so that they could get into their phone for whatever the purpose might be. I mean, I think that if, if MBS is the person who's behind Bezos' hack, I think that it, it's just, it's yet another reason why, you know, the our relations with Saudi Arabia, it, it's a farce at this point that we keep defending this country. I'll just say that if, if this turns out to be true. But the second thing I would say is that, um, you know, I am okay with, Third parties, whether they belong to governments or they belong to, you know, just security companies, if they want to invest and have their own tools where they can find zero days and vulnerabilities and way to get into systems, that's disturbing. And I hope that the companies that that they take advantage of have their own security teams and and their own, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, counterintelligence teams to be able to figure that out and and release patches as quickly as possible. But I'm fundamentally okay if, uh, you know, the FBI or the CIA or NSA wants to invest and actually, you know, put the work in to develop their own tools. I'm okay with that as as just like a, a thing that happens. That's a reality. What I'm not okay with is governments, uh, whether it's because they ask or they force or anything else, having an impact on whether or not companies will implement security features. That, to me, is really, really dangerous mm-hmm. and, and and makes me really uncomfortable if, you know, a very pro-user feature was, in fact, not implemented because of the behest of the FBI. That's really... That I, I don't feel great about that, and 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 to me, and, I'm like, and especially the threat, if the FBI could, right? right. Well, but but, but but it's my point, especially if the FBI could get in anyway. I, I'm in total agreement with you. I wonder if you think that 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 the the government uh, creating their own tools and stuff would that have any effect on the reality of the the arms race that is basically trying to crack all of the software and all of the hardware that we have. 
Well, I mean, it's already happening. I mean, I think there's a there there is nation state grade search for zero days that is yes. going on right now. Uh, I've read mm-hmm. three fantastic books on this lately. Uh, Dawn of the Code War, uh, just absolutely freaking amazing. Uh, uh, Zetter Kim has written some just amazing, amazing things on this uh, about the the start of uh, Stuxnet and the, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the search to shut down the um, uh, Iranian uh, nuclear weapons yep. program with cyber weapons. Yeah, this is the future of uh, warfare. It's cyber warfare. And I, I, I well, uh, look at what, uh, look at Stuxnet. I mean, yep. you know, no one was hurt. We didn't send in spec ops teams to, to kill anyone. Uh, there was no bombing. There were no civilian casualties. Um, That's a good point. I'm, I, actually. I'm not going to, I'm not going to glorify uh, or you know cheerlead this on. I just um, there are pros and cons, right? Like uh, civilians, civilians can still very much be hurt by cyber warfare. Um, Christine, I'm really in complete agreement with you about that. I I just feel like I have to say I'm I I'm not someone who is anti-government or anti-police in a broad sense. Uh, It's just not the way I'm wired. But it is reasonable for, like, you don't need to feel apologetic about not wanting the government to have access to your phone. No. Uh, You know, district attorneys, they bring cases to bear. I don't even like Glenn Greenwald. We see what's going on with him this week in the news. It's absolutely deplorable. Um, You know, like, this is a reasonable thing. And I just... I feel like if Apple is going to market themselves on this and they're going to take all this credit for standing up to the FBI in San Bernardino, I think at the very least they owe their users the option of saying, okay, let's make this where Apple doesn't have the keys. No one has the keys. Right. Because as far as I'm concerned, um, if most people have iCloud backup turned on, it doesn't freaking matter. If iCloud is, you know, um, it has uh, encrypted end-to-end, that doesn't matter if the government can still subpoena it and get mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you know, I've got news to anyone out there. The government builds bad cases all the time. I'm going to tell a really quick story. When I was doing investigative journalism work uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, I once found out that the police were charging a man with a felony that I, through my investigation, one thousand percent one thousand percent one thousand percent had absolutely ironclad evidence that he did not do and you know i went and talked to the district attorney about it and it was just in one ear and out the other the man eventually pleaded and his case went through his system he spent a very long time in jail so you know it's it's just it's it, it's it's reasonable to want these precautions, and I just think I, I just think Apple should give their users well, more. That is a good note to end on. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Booz Allen. Modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. You may need to incorporate AI and analytics to work more efficiently and make fast decisions. And everyone needs new ways of thinking to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands, and they're helping some of the world's largest organizations modernize. 
They understand the missions of government and industry and the need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies with analytics. And because security is everyone's priority, they integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com relay. That's boozallen.com relay. We'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of this show and Relay FM. Well, 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 I, the, the thing on top of my mind right now is doing some kind of ranking of worst <coughs> forms of warfare. Mm. Um, but I think instead, because <laughs> you've made a compelling argument for me putting cyber warfare lower down than I initially would have. Oh, totally. But that's an, that's an episode. That's a fun end of year roundup. Oh, that is us. good. I like After that. I, I like that. Find out if the major city what would the that I'm best living form in. Form of warfare be? Would it be pillow warfare? I don't know. Um, yes. Yeah. Nerf pil- warfare. Pil- pil- pillows. Nerf. Uh, water guns. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Nerf. What about or Mortal Kombat? Water guns. Which is better? Ooh. Nerf. Nerf. What? Uh, it depends on the weather, doesn't it? It really does, because during the summer, there's nothing better than a super soaker warfare. And during like, the winter, there's nothing worse. The true. So, well, <laughs> let's move on to talk about Sonos. So, Sonos has said in a blog post that in May they will stop providing software updates for their oldest products, and those products will not receive new features. This impacts legacy devices, um, of which there are a few, including Zone players. The Connect and Connect amps that were put out between 2011 and 2015, the first generation Play 5, the CR200 controller, and the Bridge. Um, They have, well, obviously, a lot of these products are very old, um, and especially the ones that were introduced a long time ago, Sono says, were introduced before the advent of the iPhone or music streaming, which uh, music streaming being a huge way that we consume audio at this point in human history. Um, Interestingly, Sonos told The Verge that uh, they're they're introducing a way for customers who want to keep using the legacy hardware to separate those products from the Sonos systems because if if you don't separate the old hardware from like your existing sound system, it, the the system at, at ho- as a, a whole will stop updating because it is like linked to the legacy hardware. So what a beautiful, I think, exhibit of what a, a cluster truck the, the world is that we live <laughs> yeah. in now. Although, okay. I, I totally support like not update. Like at a certain point, you can't say, oh yeah, Spotify is never going to release an update that is, that is incompatible with our hardware from 2011. Like I totally understand that. But who we? So yeah, Chris. So before we do this, can you help? I I assume you've reviewed these or, or oh know yeah, I'm I'm, I'm an owner and I've I've used them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So help me understand this because I read the story and you know, their their alleged claim is like we can't develop new features if we don't if we can't like move forward, which is fine on the surface, but I don't understand like 
what is the feature on this? I assume they're connected wirely through your wirelessly through your home. Right, right. Work with the smartphone. What is this product? Because I don't understand. Okay, so it's basically Sonos was one of the very first mainstream wireless speaker systems. So okay. you know, the idea would be you can have speakers that are in different rooms of your house, and you can control them. From um, a, it used to be a controller, and then it went to you know your iPad and your phone. Back in the day, like this is like 2005, 2006, they had like an actual like expensive controller that had like a capacitive touchscreen where you would be able to choose you know what you wanted to play, and you could pull it you know from iTunes or if you had a CD player connected to something, or if you had like another music source, and you could direct it to whatever speaker you want. So that's the idea. It's just it's a really easy, really high quality wireless speaker system. So it's a HomePod. Um, yeah, uh, but, but, but it better, uh, in my opinion and, um, you know, um, uh, has a lot more uh, connective options and, you know, came out like more than a decade in advance. Does it have Spotify built into it? Displays? Yes. What is it doesn't the, have yeah. displays, but, but it does. Yeah. So it'll work with any of those streaming music services. So their app works with, you know, Tidal, it works with Google Play, it works with Amazon, it works with Spotify, it works with iTunes. It works with Apple Music. You can connect it to a NAS if you have your own local media. You can, um, if you uh, if you have certain accessories, you can connect like um, you know a record player to it, and 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 then pump that music to a different speaker. So if you had a record player in one room, but it's connected to an uh, to a connect amp, that could then be played out of something that's upstairs. Assuming you know uh, you've got the turntable on, um, uh, basically any audio source you want. Um, uh, you can find a way to, for it to kind of work. So um, it, it doesn't have any on the speakers themselves. They're just speakers. Um, uh, but uh, okay. they, they also have like a sound bar. They have something called the play bar and then they have the play bass. And those are both um, options where you can um, have it connected to your TV and be used as a sound bar, but it can also be used as part of your bigger Sonos system. So if you have some of the like the Sonos like kind of like bookshelf speakers, those are in your room and could be used for like regularly listening to music. But then when you're using your play bar, um, like your surround sound when you're watching TV, those become like rear speakers or or front speakers. Okay. So but this is I understand that it is expensive from an engineering perspective to continue supporting older products, but these are things that were sold at deep discounts as much as a few, a few months ago. I mean, I've seen all kinds of people talking on Twitter. They just bought the things they're deprecated. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Sonos has been, I don't know if Sonos has been selling them to be clear. But but if someone is going to go out and invest, like these are very expensive items. Yeah. It just, I, I don't think there's a really strong engineering case that if you're you're talking about basically a speaker um, wired into the system. You have I, two I, choices I disagree. I disagree. Okay. Well, let me let me place my my concerns and tell me if I'm wrong. But it seems to me so they're they're saying you can get off the system, you can refuse all updates, and it's gonna break everything. It's gonna break everything through the whole system through your whole house. It won't break everything. It will leave all the systems on on in in, in your collection on that version of the software. They won't right. be able to update to newer features. So if they added like AirPlay 2 support or if there was another, you know, wireless right. standard, another yeah. codec, they wouldn't right. get that. So if you have something newer, it's going to have to be it's going sta- to It's going to stay. Well, right now it's going to stay on the old version. And what they're working on is a way to say, okay, you can update the firmware and the software on the newer devices, but keep the older ones um, where they are. That's and it what will they're working still on. communicate. Like yes. I could have an old speaker in my retro room. 
and then a new speaker in my kitchen and, right. and pass. Okay, well, if they'll do that, that seems like a reasonable half step. I thought they were, because it's not like, I mean, something like Spotify, most of that work is on the back end, right? right? And, 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 and this is the problem, right? This is actually the issue. Like, this is what people don't understand. Yes, these are speakers, but these speakers also have microcontrollers in them, and they have firmware, and they have, you know, they've been coded to, you know, be able to play back things in certain codecs and have certain stuff. And over time, especially when you're looking at the really old things, the only one that I can see getting annoyed with is if you got um, one of the Play 5s that that isn't the one that's been sold since 2015. So if you bought one in, say, like 2014, and and the Play 5 is is expensive, it's like, you know, $500. Um, it might have been more, you know, when people bought it. That I can understand being annoyed with. But some of these other things, the, the Connect Amp is really popular. People have been buying them because they discontinued it. Um, but, um, and, and they released a newer thing that's even more expensive. But the thing is, is that... Um, you know, some of these some of these products haven't been sold in many years. Um, some of them were for sale, you know, a couple of years ago, or you know, maybe, maybe under a year ago. And and I can understand the frustration if you bought one of those older devices. But the thing is, is that yes, it's a speaker, but it has you know the Bluetooth and it has the wireless chips and it has you know a, a way to update firmware. And if it was something that was built like you know more than a decade ago, that amount of memory is really limited and the amount of things that can be updated to it are going to be limited. So if you as a software, you know, hardware company are trying to update, you know, things and add in, you know, okay, we want to support this new, you know, type of codec or there's a new version of Bluetooth and we want to add, you know, a feature for, to support, you know, this, this, this AirPlay 2 thing, which they did do and it did, you know, support the older devices. That's going to, I think probably they're probably at a point where the the you know computer part of these speakers just is too old. Maybe the the wireless components, the radio components, are just too old to be consistently updated. Like this is this is the way I'm reading it. I understand the frustration being like, oh, well, I have speakers that are 20 years old that will still work. Well, yes, but those but are dumb those, speakers. But exactly, but that's analog. This this has always had a piece of technology in it. They actually had a, this is the second time they've done something like this. They had a, a controller that hadn't been sold since I think 2008 that they stopped updating um, uh, last year and people freaked out. And this was a controller that literally hadn't been sold in over a decade that was, you know, has been supplanted and made better in every way by people's phones. And the reason they couldn't update it was because they built it using Adobe Flash. And, and, <laughs> oh, and, 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 and you know, and it was like, it's like the engineering work that would be involved to continue to update those things, especially as all the, because like Spotify doesn't have an API for Flash anymore. They don't have an endpoint. Like the endpoints <laughs> those things use, exactly. But the endpoints that that, you know, controller used doesn't exist anymore. So they had to stop updating it. Um, I, I think... I, I'm, I understand the outrage. I personally think this is okay. Um, I understand it's expensive, although I think that's kind of part of it. The one thing I will say is what they've said, and if they keep this, I think it's all right, is that they've said that they will basically say these devices will continue to work. And they, they've said something like, you know, like, like five years. What they're basically saying is there might come a day where these speakers won't be able to connect to the other speakers in your Sonos anymore. And you know, you might not be able to send things to it. Um, that is obviously a concern. To me, what's also a concern would be, okay, if Sonos goes out of business, like, yeah. what do you do then, right? Like, then if Spotify or another service changes their endpoint, or if there's, you know, a, a feature where it needs to phone home for something, then you're really screwed. 
But mm-hmm. I, I, I would rather like I, I, I understand the outrage. I also think that it's overblown because I think that they're doing a lot more than most other companies who are doing this type of thing would do. I mean, I, I can't think of mo- I can't think of any other tech product that was released in 2006 that has continued to receive support but from software updates since 2006. I honestly can't. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, it, it sucks, especially for people who spent a lot of money on this stuff, but it does feel like one of those, if not now, then someday things. Yeah. And I'm glad that they are taking steps to make sure you can disconnect the affected hardware and yeah. keep using the rest of the system. I, I think that's key. I think that's key. I think if they basically said, if you have these old pieces on, you will never have a path forward to update your newer things, that's a concern, right? Or if, if that is brick, the whole other thing will be. I think if they can figure that out, and I hope they can, that's really good. I would say the one thing that annoys me is they have this recycling program. Oh, that's so bad. This, this is the one. See, I will defend them on end of lifing the the hardware. I don't have an issue with that. And I don't even have an issue with them saying, we don't know when, but someday in the future, it's possible these might not work anymore with, with our software. I'm okay with all that. What I don't like is the recycling thing, which basically when you put it into recycle mode, there's a kill switch that basically will make the device impossible to use. So if someone else took the device, they couldn't just register it in their name. It, oh. it will it can't be used and their, their whole purpose is they're like oh we're gonna give you a 30 percent discount really that that just seems greedy it's like okay they want you to take it to an e-waste place and recycle it um and then they'll give you a 30 percent discount code so you can buy new stuff but it's like if you really cared about the the e-recycling like don't don't bork the device you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if you wanted to blacklist it from that person's account fine but like who cares if someone else reuses it like that to me, the, the recycle mode thing is the thing that I'm annoyed with them about. And I've been a user on and off for a long time. But the the end of lifing, the speakers, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a concern, but I, whether we like it or not, I think that this is going to be something that we deal with with almost every object in our lives. And that's something we should maybe be having a broader conversation about, like uh, taking it away from like looking at one company and being like, okay, how do we feel about the fact that like, you know, your microwave someday or your refrigerator or, you know, these things that we've never thought about, even your TV, these things we think about that aren't, you know, uh, that have always done kind of this one thing. If they don't continue to get get updates, we'll stop working. Yeah. And I think a crucial part of the conversation going forward will be, like you said, holding companies responsible for finding ways to make sure that the lifespan of the equipment is extended, even if that does mean like, being able to wipe my account and give it to someone who needs it because the the electronic waste is such a huge issue yes. in yes. the world right now. And I think companies do have responsibility to extend the lifespan of a piece of technology as much as is realistic, but then also to like, even if the person isn't going to be updating it and continuing to opt into that ecosystem, at least make sure it they're not uh, hamstringing it. Right. Uh, so Tesla people, I love you. Don't scream at me for saying this. <laughs> oh, no. oh, Tesla but people are going to deal with this. I, I occasionally have gotten yelled at for driving a classic uh, car, right? And mm-hmm. people are like, why don't you just go buy a, uh, a Tesla, a brand new Tesla? Look at this and look at what the, the, uh, the CO2 impact is of creating a new Tesla. Um, it's non-trivial. 
and you have to drive a Tesla for, I think, I believe it's 12 years until the lack of emissions from that uh, makes up for um, for what it would cost to you know continue driving a, a classic car. So my point is, you know, Simone, when you're talking about e-waste, we have a hell of a problem with uh, climate change right now. Yep. Like the economy is going to change, and you know this uh, this this cycle of like buying things and not holding on to them and just throwing them away in five years. That's something that's fundamentally going to have to shift if this planet is going to be habitable. Uh, e-waste is not the biggest variable there, but it is a variable there. So I think um, I I think that I think that Sonos in this particular instance is the starting point for a wider conversation. Christina, you said outraged. I don't feel outraged about this. I I do think it's an interesting question because there's so rarely a point to connecting the things you have in your house on the internet. It is nearly impossible to go buy a fridge or an oven or a refrigerator or all these things in your house and not have some like uh, IoT option connected to it. Totally. And I think this option for speakers, I'm there. I understand because our phones are going to keep changing. The tech is going to keep changing. The services that we use where we need to play things out of that's going to keep changing. Our television is going to keep changing. I'm there on this. But I just think it's so notable that I can have a, you know, like a premium option sound system in uh, my Porsche Boxster that is, you know, over 20 years old at this point. And it's just as good as any speaker you can buy on the market today. And I just, we've, we've got to have a broader conversation about reuse. Yeah, no, I agree completely. I agree completely. I mean, uh, I, and and it's something to think about, like when we do all these things, because and, and honestly, I think that's something we have to kind of realize too when we're buying stuff that like you're you're tied to a lot of these other services, and and I, I think that we should be thinking about at least when those services are designed, like how can they be you know as like graceful. I mean, we even saw this when like the Pebble. When 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 Fitbit popped Pebble and Pebble went away, you know it had mm-hmm. a, a service hosted, and so then it's like okay, people can't you know get watch faces and can't you know update apps and do stuff on their phones, and people they were at least able to kind of you know because they had an API, people maintained things, and there's kind of like an aftermarket of people continuing to issue homebrew updates and things like that. I would say, and I, and I realize that this might not be possible for many reasons. The best case scenario would be that when you do something like this, where you, um, you know, like uh, obsolete and and end of life, a group of products when available, maybe make some of those standards or make some of that software open source so that if people did want to take the effort of trying to make things still work or, or create homebrew things or make it backwards compatible, you could do that. I know that won't work in every case. And, and I know that that's asking a lot, but to me, that would be like the best thing if it's like, okay, if if we can't continue to support this for whatever reason, whether it's money or or technology moving on or, or whatever, making it so that if someone, a hobbyist, does have the inclination, they at least could potentially do that. Right. The 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 list of things you want to do is repair, reuse, repurpose, and then recycle. Yeah. Recycle, which is what Sonos wants to do, is pretty far down that list. If you can open source it and allow someone to go use it in a different way, that is a it's not the best case scenario, but it's it's a better scenario. Yeah, I think if they did that, they get a ton of goodwill. Sounds cool. 
All right, we'll move right into our dessert portion of the Woo. show segment we're calling The Witcher is Good Actually, brought to you <laughs> by Simone de Rochefort, author of the viral tweet that was retweeted by Netflix, multiple Netflix accounts, and reposted to their Instagram. The wow. Tweet which, yeah, I know. <laughs> it finally Congrats. happened for me, guys. You made it, Simone. <laughs> I made it. The tweet in question um, was about a glitch on my Netflix account where it was only displaying eight episodes of The Witcher instead of 50. Um, and I was inquiring if anyone had found a fix for this issue. Uh, I have heard back from Netflix support as well as many helpful people on Twitter. People are saying the solutions involve waiting until 2021 there is potentially a loophole where i can set my ps5 clock to 2021 and see if the new episodes will spawn at that point but i haven't tried it it seems like kind of a a tricky thing to accomplish the broader point is that i am out of episodes of netflix's the witcher (laughs) and i want more (laughs) okay so so I I have to admit, I have never played The Witcher. I haven't played Witcher 3. I know it's a classic. And the reason is that first game, you had that trading card game based on the number of women. Uh, what's his name? Is it Javalt? Uh, Geralt. Geralt. Yeah, Gerald has sex with. <laughs> I was like, this is so bad. I will not be playing this game or any of its sequels. Uh, should I get over that and finally play these games to understand and appreciate this series? Like, what's so you good about it? You should only play yes. The Witcher 3. Why? Um, well, because it is better and it's the only one that I've played. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me rewind. Okay. The Witcher 3 is an extremely accomplished open world RPG that um, is like aesthetically interesting it has wonderful side quests and a a nightmare of inventory menus that make me sleep not so good at night um but it's a very very enjoyable game and i think that they did in that one like from the from how much of it i played so far i think that they did correct or walk away from some of the issues that the earlier games had that being said there is still a quest where you can have sex with a witch and it rules um (laughs) but it was like kind of cute they're like bantering together and then she like disappears and plays a game where she leaves like a trail of her clothes in the forest and you have to use your witcher vision to follow her trail of clothes and then have like a naked picnic with her it ruled um but that's presented in a way that's like fun rather than exploitative i think um that being said the witcher series on netflix is emphatically not based on the games because the author of the witcher books hates the game (laughs) um we think reportedly allegedly because when he initially like made his deal with cd project red to uh, have them make these games He did not think that they were going to be a huge, huge hit. And his royalties uh, are kind of um, not so great. Not so good. Um, Actually, I think he didn't even... I don't think he gets royalties. I think that he signed a contract where they, like, paid him a lump sum for the rights to the video games. Um, I'm gonna gonna try to confirm this for y'all. But it's a situation where he's not getting... 
as much money and the game is a huge hit and it's been like surging up the steam charts post uh, Netflix show release. And so he's over shaking his fist. Um, The book series, which I'm going to start to read once they start appearing on my phone, because the hold list at the library is literally 19 weeks long. Kill me. Wow. Um, Wow. It's a critically acclaimed Polish fantasy series that is kind of just complex fantasy complex politics in a sort of transported version of Poland. Um, And it sounds super, super interesting. Cannot wait to read them. The show is based on those initial short stories and then um, uh, the books in a time that is a prequel to the games. Um, So I personally, I I think I did subconsciously benefit from having played The Witcher 3 as much as I did. Uh, especially now that I've talked to other people who didn't play it and are asking me questions about things that I guess mm-hmm. I did know. So sell me, sell me on the show, though. Why should I watch it? Do not take it too seriously, is what I think. People are, like, it's been treated like it wants to be the next Game of Thrones, as in, like, read as a legacy adaptation of critically acclaimed fantasy series that should be respected and loved. Right. It's so much fun. It is way, way more like um, Xena or Hercules or even kind of similar to The Mandalorian in that it is a purely, in this first season, episodic kind of almost monster of the week show. Okay, so and there is camp. continuity. It, it's super campy. And there's okay. continuity between the characters and the timelines. But it's honestly when you go into it just expecting to have a really good time it is so fun. And Henry Cavill does a great job, like with very few words, being just very wry and kind of deadpan in a way that is clearly intended to be funny. Not like he's going <clears throat> as this grim, dark, brooding, serious man. Like there's a whole episode where he can't go to sleep. He, he cannot sleep. And he's really grumpy. And he's trying to catch a genie so that he can take a gosh darn nap and it rules and I want, he's hot and he's super hot and there are two <laughs> scenes this this first off this should clue people in that it is a fun show that they should have fun with there's not one bathtub scene there are two there are two <laughs> scenes where Geralt is taking a bath nice and he is I, okay naked. I'm gonna watch now it rules um so I, I was kind of sold from the very first episode and I continued to just it kind of just revel in it um especially i started watching on the plane on my way back home for christmas and i downloaded four episodes and i was like holy crap these are like an hour long how am i gonna focus for an hour-long tv show i'm so tired and i ended up just plowing through all all of those four and being like why didn't i download more i've got two hours left to go on this flight what was i thinking um and it, and then I tried to savor them, and uh, now it's over. There are only eight, and it sucks because it's exactly the kind of show that like you want to put on like an old Star Trek or something, where you just want to like it, it feels like comfort food to me. Um, and I love it. That's my that's my take. That's my spiel. All right, you sold me. You I mean, sold me. I mean, I think I'm there because of Henry Cavill in the bath twice. So. Um, uh, easily pleased <laughs> and honestly like you when you describe it kind of as like Xena kind of monster of the week that sort of thing look I like a good I like good mindless television so I I, I have a 17 hour flight uh, on Sunday so perfect I, opportunity I, I, I might download it in advance 
Thank you. Uh, he doesn't have a mustache, though, does he? <laughs> no, he does not. Okay, thank God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that's was bad. visual terrorism, and I can't, <laughs> can't you. endorse that. Oh, man, and he. I, so I started, unfortunately for me, following him on Instagram. Um, he has a really cute dog, a oh. massive Akita named Cal. And he loves this dog so freaking much. And he takes it like to photo shoots and to set with him and to like his Taekwondo training. I don't know. He loves this dog a lot. And now I think I kind of like Henry Cavill. I've always liked Henry Cavill. I'm not, I I don't know, but I have a thing for Superman's. So can we be honest though, that Brandon Routh was a, a much better looking Superman and a better Superman. Um, okay. Terrible movie. Much better. Terrible movie, terrible but movie. A better Superman. Eh, it's hard for me to distinguish because the movie was so bad, but... Pierce Brosnan was a good Bond, a great Bond in two badly written Bond movies. I, does, I just, does that make sense? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I just... I, I don't know. It's hard for me because I just think that the Brian Singer Superman was so bad. But yeah. I totally agree. Brandon Roth, the most beautiful, the best looking Superman we've ever had. And I'm yeah. glad he's now in like the Arrowverse or whatever. Um, uh, uh, like I'm, I'm happy that they did that. But Henry Cavill... Super hot, so too. Like I'm not mad. Also, addendum. Uh, small, small the man guy, from Uncle. Hot. Oh, oh wait, yes. what? The small yeah. guy uh, was super yeah. hot. Oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but he wasn't man from Uncle. That was, he was. Great. No, he wasn't. No, I was just talking about hot Superman and period. But yeah, it, also man, man from Uncle. I'm just <laughs> two different ro- two roads <laughs> diverged in <Yes>. a wood. <laughs> One was hot Superman, and the other was how the man from Uncle is a super underrated movie, and people should have freaking watched it in theaters so that I could have a sequel. I did. Thank you. I liked it. Thank you. I liked it, Brianna, for doing your part for the cause. <laughs> Okay, uh, I will watch this for you. Um, yeah, the other side of this is that Polygon gave Witcher a really bad review, and I read it, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Who wrote that? Well, what you should it? do is, is, is you should do the follow-up, especially because the tweet was so big, and, and just, you know, um, uh, and, and title it, you know, Gizmodo-style, actually, comma, the Witcher is good. And then just, yeah. like, look. You know, like, I would, except that a freelancer wrote the review for us, so it kind of feels bad. Um, and like they're totally entitled to their opinions. Yeah, no, it's it's just dis- well, I mean, it just means d- discerning opinions. You're not like saying, yeah. "Oh, freelancer, you're wrong." It's just like people have different opinions on stuff. Yeah, I remember when Megan uh, went off on uh, your Game of the Year award, saying, uh, "Actually, Danganronpa should have won," and my colleagues are all jackasses. Like, yeah, but like, again, yeah. like she is a salaried employee of Vox yes. Media. Okay, fair I mean, enough, I, fair, fair I, I realize you don't want to like come punching out, but I, I get it. I, I think you're. I, I don't know. I think it'd be okay, but uh, uh, I say f- him up, Simone. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with you, but I'm, I come from the IO9 school where we, we you know, hate everyone uh, and, and fight, fight, fight with the ones we love in Slack and, and still even post IO9 in group chats. Um, uh, last fair, final kind Libra. of uh, last final uh, thing, because you mentioned before you talk about how you were comparing it kind of to Star Trek, like a show you could just do again. Like, how excited are we for Picard? Uh, very and how excited I, I saw today, like Whoopi Goldberg is going to be on like, I know the next thing. I almost cried like that when, when he like gave her the offer, like that was, so coming back, sweet. That was really oh sweet. My so I, I am, I, I don't really want to give CBS um, uh, money, but uh, I, I guess I will if that's the only way I can watch Picard. Christina, two words, young Sheldon. 
<gasps> stream all the young Sheldon. No, no. <laughs> stop it. Okay, that, no. that really brings us into what we're doing this week. Brianna, what are you doing this week? Oh my God, what am I doing this week? Well, I'm certainly watching Picard. Uh, instead of telling you all about running for office, which is boring, I want to tell you about a project that I'm working on. So... I scratched up one of my Boxster wheels, my twenty in my twenty year old Boxster wheel. So I am building a powder coating oven to do it. So oh my uh, God. you you can't. So powder coat is like this magnetic stuff you spray onto a wheel and then you bake it and then it liquefies all over it and creates a perfect, very hard coating. The trick is you can't do it in like your home oven because it's mega toxic and you will develop cancer <laughs> if you eat the food from there. So I went and I rented a van and I went to the, I went to Salem. And I bought a, a the biggest stove I could on the internet from a stranger. And I'm like paying the $500 cash in a back alley. And I get home and it's like two inches too small for my wheel to sit inside. So Frank and I have taken this thing and we have welded sheets of metal onto the side. So the door is kind of open. It's a triangle down and the door doesn't quite close all the way. And then for the amount it doesn't close, we welded uh, and screwed metal back onto it. But that's not enough. So I did that and then we built insulation all around it because then you would touch that metal, it would burn your hand (laughs) and the oven couldn't hold 400 degrees. So we're like, F that. So we go and get this unbelievably strong heat resistant shielding stuff. I am building custom pieces to like hold the bottom of it. And then we go to hook it up and I see that the outlets in the room where I did it are not good enough. So now I'm hacking into my electrical part of my house (laughs) and building all these wires and I'm, I've got an amp voltage meter out there. I'm like, this is how many things. So now I've got all the materials and I can run 50 feet of oven cord through my house that has been heat shielded and properly done into this oven that is Frankenstein together to put into my garage while wearing a bunny suit so I don't get cancer so I can <laughs> fix this damn scratch on my Boxster wheel. This is what they That's mean what by I'm slippery doing. slope. Yes. Wow. That is what that is. I wish you luck and safety. And I could have just paid someone to fix it. And I'm not going to do it because I'm a stubborn person. No, it's too late for you to pay anyone else to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Christina, what are you doing this week? All right. So um, next time we talk, uh, hopefully, uh, I'm knocking on wood because I don't know what the hotel internet is going to be like. uh, But I think it should be pretty good. I will be in Johannesburg. (gasps) Yay. Oh, my God. South Ooh. Africa time zone. I'm Googling that really quick. It's 10 hours ahead of uh, um, Pacific. Uh, so it's seven hours ahead of. Uh, so it'll be 4 a.m. Oh, that's not bad. It's better than some of the other things we've done. Yeah. So we can, we can make that work. We can make that work. Um, so, yeah. So I am flying to South Africa and um, I will be there for Microsoft Ignite the Tour if by a chance there are any uh, listeners um, who happen to live in Johannesburg. And if you're going to be coming to Microsoft Ignite the Tour, or if there's some other way we might be able to meet up, obviously rocket rules apply. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I've never been to Africa. Um, I'm, I'm uh, really excited to go. The The flight is really long. It's Delta's longest flight, the flight from Atlanta. Oh, wow. Because uh, it's like, it's like 8,000 miles. So yeah, that'll be a lot. But um, I will, I have, I'm, 
I have lots of content that I need to download. So uh, give me suggestions at a film underscore girl on a Twitter or Instagram um, of uh, things I should download. Uh, Maybe to watch. you can hack into the mainframe and find the other, the missing episodes of The Witcher. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. We'll see. What about uh, you? This week, I put out a video finally. I'm, I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but I finally, finally finished my magnum opus on gathering slash looting sounds in video games. And I was so <gasps> nervous for it to come out because I was so, I was like, just a lot of technical detail not technical super technical details but just stuff about the recording process that i was worried i had gotten wrong but both of the developers that i interviewed at obsidian entertainment about the outer worlds said that they really really liked it and appreciated it which makes me so happy because i just wanted to do right by that topic um and my favorite part of the video is that i actually got to slash bribed my boss into letting me spend some time running around my office, gathering a bunch of objects and then doing Foley work with them. So that was so much fun. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I want to come up with a billion excuses to keep making more Foley videos because it's all I care about now. Um, and that is up on Polygon's YouTube channel right now. So that's what I worked on. I can't I wait to watch on. it. I can't wait to watch it's, it. Same. It was so much fun. I loved doing it so much. Um, I want to relive it. Okay, so before the show ends, I just want to say one more thing. Uh, we need to send show support out there to a very special person for all of us here on uh, Rocket. I don't know if you've heard the news yet, but uh, NHL mascot Gritty is under investigation <gasps> by the police for assault. <laughs> so what? I personally, I not a joke, 100% true. Wow. I believe you got a free Gritty. I stand with Gritty. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I think hash, I, I'm definitely America. hashtag free, free Gritty. Absolutely. Uh, I hope that we'll do Let's do our research before we. Because he <laughs> Gritty is innocent, Simone. Allegedly punch a 13 year old child. So. Yeah. You know what? Let's do our due diligence. You're running for office. <laughs> we, we don't want a milkshake duck here, but also like free Gritty. Like. Free Gritty. Like. Oh I, I think Gritty is above the law. That's what I'm saying. So. Oh, my God. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Rocket. Where can I find you online, Brianna Wu, so that people can tweet their opinions find me at Brianna. You can find me at Brianna Wu uh, on Twitter, which is now a free gritty account. Oh and you can find me on uh, developer no. Brianna Wu on Facebook. Free gritty. That's out of control. Christina, what about you? <laughs> Uh, I am also now a free gritty account um, and until proven otherwise. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can find me at, at film underscore uh, girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find the stuff I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Oh God, my Simone, God. This is America innocent until proven guilty. I'm just saying, oh like, my God. come on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's you. You right. raised a good point. Gritty this is, is how innocent. our judicial system works. Right. <laughs> um, you can find me online at, on Twitter at Doom Quasar, and you can find my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. Um, and I'm putting that video in the show notes, of course, because that's what I do. If you like this episode of Rocket, please make sure you leave a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts. Unless you are of the uh, lock him up, hashtag lock him up gritty uh, <laughs> faction, in which case, please refrain from commenting until court proceedings are over. I appreciate all of you. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>